southwest area of Ocala, uh, we'd like to invite you to visit with us at Maranatha Baptist Church, a place where the Bible is our only textbook. It's at 525 Marion Oaks Trail in Marion Oaks, Ocala. You can give us a call or send a message to the web if you have questions and if you need directions. But now, Pastor Fortune, it's a joy to have you here today. Do speak to us from your heart. May God bless our moments together. Thank you, Brother Audley. It's a joy for me to share God's Word at any time with anybody. And today I want to bring a message from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is a passage of Scripture that is really special to me. Uh, I like the first five or six verses that speak about heaven and our place being prepared for us. But I want to share the meaning to me of several verses that follow that and uh, begin a two-part message on uh, ten things that motivate me, and I believe ought to motivate those that know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I uh, want to begin my reading this morning with uh, this passage of Scripture, Second Corinthians chapter 5, and in verse 9, it says, Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Now, some of the passages of Scripture that I'm going to read today and share are scriptures that have, in some cases, have been uh, twisted to say what people want them to say and not what they truly mean. And for the reason that I'm beginning here with uh, verse 9 is because there are uh, people that claim claim to be brothers or sisters in Christ that believe they can lose their salvation based on this scripture. And this scripture is talking about being accepted of Christ for fellowship not because of our sonship uh, with him when we become part of the family of God after trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. We know that when we're in living in obedience, that we're living on blessing ground. And when we're disobeying God's word, disobeying the things that are shared with us from God's word, then we're not in the place of blessing. And we miss that fellowship that we can have with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to... Uh, 
encourage everyone to know today that God, when he saves us, gives us a down payment of the Holy Spirit. And it's talked about in verse 5 of this chapter as an earnest. If you've lived long enough or you have grandfathers uh, living today that uh, are in their uh, 80s, 90s, they can go back to a time when people with a handshake to carry out business and they didn't have to put a down payment on something. They could tell uh, the businessman or woman they were dealing with that they were giving giving them their word that they were going to pay for whatever their purchase was. And their word was accepted. Uh, on other occasions, they would accept a partial payment known as a down payment or an earnest payment. And when we get the Lord's Holy Spirit, when we trust Christ as our Lord and Savior, this earnest is like a down payment because what we have in Christ while we're living here on this earth is nothing to be compared with what we're going to have when we get to heaven. Uh, It's just beyond our imagination how great heaven's going to be and what we're going to see and experience when we get there. In verse number 10, the Bible says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, we know in Paul's letter to the church at Rome, he said, There is no condemnation that waits for us that have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. What this verse of Scripture is saying, that there is going to be a Bema judgment, and that judgment could probably be better described as an award ceremony. And for all of us Christians that are taken up in the rapture when Christ comes for his church, we're going to be following that rapture in a ceremony where all of the things that we have done in this body, this body of Christ, which is the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit of God, we're going to receive rewards for the great things that we have done with the right motives for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And unfortunately, we're going to lose out on some rewards because of unfaithfulness. And I'm praying today that as I deliver this message, that everyone listening uh, in the audience out there uh, has nothing that they fear about coming before the Lord Jesus Christ face to face and being a part of that ceremony known as the Bema Judgment. In verse 11, Paul says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. This word, terror of the Lord, has been described as being more of a particular respect for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's not the fear, uh, or it's not explained as fear uh, for those that are lost, uh, and people try to explain that away. But the truth is, all of us need to respect the Lord. And if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, he is to be feared. There is a place called hell that's very real. In fact, the Lord, when he was here doing his ministry, he preached more about hell than he did about heaven. He came to this earth to save sinners. He came to die in the place of all of us for all of our sin so that we wouldn't have to depart this life and spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. There is a certain terror there that really ought to reach all of our consciences And Paul is saying about his ministry that he's doing his best to persuade men, to tell the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, to let people know that God loved them so much he gave his only begotten son to die for them, to die in their place. In verse 12, I find a fourth reason or motivating factor for my ministry. 
And Paul says, for we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them, which glory in appearance and not in heart. All of us know that there are people that say there's something and they're not. I've had people say to me when I've been out knocking doors in the neighborhood and inviting people to church that people uh, have had bad experiences and they have said the church is full of hypocrites and we don't go to church anymore because of all the hypocrites. And whenever I hear that, I share with them, I would like to fill my whole church up with hypocrites because God's word changes people. And if the hypocrites don't hear the truth of God's word, they're not going to receive the conviction that the Holy Spirit gives to where they could recognize their sinners that need a Savior. We don't glory in appearances. We know that that God sees everything that we do. He hears everything we say. He knows all the motives behind everything we do. He knows us better than we know ourselves. So even though we could judge someone's actions, we can't judge their motives. And so I don't glory in appearance, and the Apostle Paul said he didn't either. For a fifth motivating factor for me, it's found in verse 14. The Bible says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Now, that verse of Scripture is saying that everybody's lost. When we're born, we're born into this world as sinners because of Adam and Eve's disobedience. We find in God's word that all of us are born into this world in sin. And for that reason, we needed a savior that would come and die for all of us. And he did. God hasn't chosen some people to be saved and go to heaven and chose others to die and go to hell. He knew before the foundation of the world that he was going to be providing a savior for our sins because he knew that when he created man, even though he was perfect in his creation and he was perfect in the environment that God put him in, he was going to fail. He was going to disobey God. And for that reason, sin is passed upon all men and all our sinners. That's men, women, boys, and girls. You don't have to teach children to be bad. I've shared with our church a number of times. If you don't believe that we're born little sinners, watch little children. You don't have to teach them to pull hair, to bite, uh, to do all the things that little children do. And it proves that all of us have a fallen nature. We all need God. We all need God's provision for salvation. And because of Christ dying for me, I would have to say in this list of 10 motivating factors for my ministry, this has to be the number one factor for me, the love of Christ. I can never outlove Jesus, and neither can you. I just hope out there you listening to this broadcast would realize how much God loves you. He doesn't want you to die in your sin. He wants you to trust Christ as your Lord and Savior and spend eternity with him. In verse 15, we find number six reason for for me and for my ministry. It says, And that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. My friends, there are a lot of people in this world that are worshiping people that have died, and they're dead. They've stayed dead. We have the only Savior that was crucified, that died for our sins, and rose again the third day. That uh, resurrection guaranteed all of us a life with Him in heaven when we trust Him as our Lord and Savior. 
Our mortality is changed into immortality, according to Paul's letter, his first letter to the church at Corinth. And we see here in this verse that he died for all of us, that we should not live for ourselves. I am afraid today that there are so many people that have missed so many blessings. They claim to be a child of God. They have trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior, but their whole life is about them. They're, they're not spending the time with God that they ought to spend with God. They are so busy every day doing what they want to do and not even thinking about God until they get in trouble. I have shared with my congregation at Maranatha Baptist that we can't treat the Lord as a spare tire in our car. That tire is back there. It's back there for emergencies. We never do anything with it. We never take it out. Maybe sometimes we should make sure it's got enough air in it so that if we did need it for an emergency, it would be ready. But I think you understand what I mean. It's not usually seen or used until there is some kind of problem with one of the tires on that vehicle. And unfortunately, we know that there are a lot of people that don't think about God, don't talk to God, don't spend any time with God until they have some kind of urgency in their life. And my friend, I would like to ask you today, after hearing this, this message, give this some great thought. Take, uh, take your Bible out tomorrow morning when you first wake up. When you first realize that you are alive, that you have another day to live, just say, good morning, God. Thank you for keeping me safe during the night. Thank you, Lord, for giving me another day to live and serve you. You might count your blessings and share with God your thankfulness for some of those, and then open his word and read his word and understand that he's got a message for you there. God bless you. I'll look forward to sharing my other reasons for serving Jesus. I've wandered far away from God. This program is cared for by listeners who care. Your prayers and financial investment in this ministry helps to keep the good news on the air. We look forward to hearing from you and invite you to write us at Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida, 34478. Again, that's Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida, 34478. Yeah.